Hi everyone, welcome back to Hitchcock University where you learn filmmaking from the masters. My name is Taylor Bickle and we're going to jump right in today and we're going to talk about Shutter Island. Uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, our last class session was on The Departed and we're going to move right along into another uh, Scorsese-Leonardo DiCaprio uh, collaboration uh, called Shutter Island, which I don't know how many of you have seen. Um... This movie takes a lot of unexpected twists and turns, and so I'm going to try to do this this episode in a way that doesn't spoil the film, which is going to limit us somewhat, and I apologize. This is probably going to be a fairly short class session. Uh, we'll all get out of here pretty early. Um, there's also not a ton of information out there. Uh, I guess Scorsese... I guess this film wasn't that well-liked, even though it did really well at the box office. Um, I really like it. I think it's a great thriller. Um, so, uh, Scorsese kind of had difficulty talking about this just kind of in general, you know, why, why dwell on something that wasn't really well received. Um, anyway, so if you haven't seen Shutter Island, it's basically the story of a U.S. Marshal played by Leo who is assigned to find a missing escapee from a hospital for the criminally insane, but quickly the case takes multiple unexpected turns, as I mentioned before. Um... So Marty took the approach with this film that we never really know what the reality is. That was his mindset because he knew that that was going to be the audience's mindset as they go through. You always think you know, but then you find out that it's something else. Um, so that that really kind of created a, a very layered film, with a, layered with a lot of subtext, a lot of things that are not spoken, a lot of things that are implied but not said. Um... And one of the things, so what we quickly find out is pretty much every character in this film is playing a role, whether we know it or not, or sometimes whether they know it or not, everybody's playing a role because there's a lot that's being kept from Leo's character throughout this whole film. Um, and so on a second watch, you end up finding all this dialogue that takes on a new meaning. Um, something else that's that's kind of interesting that you can do is you can look like really pay attention to the frames, pay attention to the characters that are in the frames, characters that are out of the frames, not even necessarily in the fore or necessarily, you know, right there in in focus, but sometimes far in the background or, or, or in the foreground, etc. Um, there's these certain characters that are very omnipresent throughout the whole film. And if you're looking for them, you'll find them. And that can kind of help inform some of, some of this, this actual reality that we eventually uncover and unveil as the film goes along. Um, Marty says though, that the most challenging part of this film was getting a handle on all of that subtext and figuring out how to direct his actors in a way and find ways to work with them to work through two or three layers of subtext that they're all working through. There's the reality that they're presenting. There's the actual reality. There's There may be even something underneath that and trying to really work through that. And Marty said that it, sometimes this film was like directing three or four films all at the same time. It was very exhausting. It was very tiring. In my opinion, it was all worth it. And this is one of the interesting things about when you're dealing with a film like this where there's conspiracies and 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 all kinds of things in the film where 
you have a main character who doesn't know all the information and there's a lot that's being hidden from him and we're following that main character getting most of the story through his perspective only how do you direct that movie how do you move the camera how do you light it how do you work with the actors and that's one of the reasons that marty marty was very non-committal when he talks about the reality of the film because it's like well i don't know i mean maybe um repeatedly in conversations with scorsese by Robert Schickel or Richard, I always kind of want to call him Robert, Richard Schickel. Schickel asks Marty, you know, well, you know, what about this reality? And he says, well, you know, that's not really the reality. And he says, well, well, none of it's really the reality. He's like, well, you, you never really know in this story, do you? Um, when you watch this film, or if you watch this film, look for that and understand that this is actually a lot deeper than just a thriller. There's a lot more going on in this film. There's a lot of very intentional layering by the act, through the acting, through the camera work, etc. And one of the best examples of that is in the music. Marty very rarely has worked with a real composer. He did it with uh, Bernard Herrmann on Taxi Driver, and he did it with, I believe, Elmer Bernstein. Um on Cape Fear, who redid Bernard Herrmann's, or rearranged Herrmann's score from the original Cape Fear, and then also worked with Philip Glass on Kundum. But for the most part, most of Marty's films are not scored, typically. Most of what he pulls from is, is source music, practical music, music from the era, music that could be, that, that whether it's playing in the world or not on the screen, it could it, it it's typically of that world we've talked at length about this from mean streets and casino and um goodfellas uh there's there's a lot of films that marty's done where the music is is of the the world of the film reflects the world of the film and is pulled very practically from that world well, Marty went an entirely different direction with this film. He didn't have it scored traditionally, but he, because the issue with having a film scored traditionally, as he says, is you end up with a very unified musical voice or musical style. And Marty was really trying to avoid that because this film is so layered, because there's so many elements of it, there's so many voices in it. So what they did is they went to modern composers and they pulled songs like Fog Tropes by Ingram Marshall which is used in the opening when Leo is arriving by boat to the island where this hospital for the criminally insane is. The, the music, it sounds a lot like, um, like something Hans Zimmer would do, uh, you know, for a tra- or, or you know, or the kind of music that, that we've started pulling for trailers. Um, you're not really sure if it's a foghorn or if it's music. <laughs> so it, it, it very practically and, and um, and not ironically fits into the scene of them on a boat going through fog and overcast skies, but also also helps comment on the scene and gives it an extra layer of life. Similarly, they use um, On the Nature of Daylight by Max Richter, um, which is a theme that they use for this dream scene that we see uh, between Leo and his wife, 
played by Michelle Williams. And it, it, it also has this way of kind of commenting on the scene. So he pulls these instrumental pieces that any one of them could be a part of a score, but together they make up a soundtrack that kind of destroys this unified voice that he would have had if it had been scored, but then also in a way helps add new layers, new texture, as he says it, a kind of tapestry of emotion that reflects what the characters are feeling. And, this, and, and he also says that it has, it, it helps create almost a world of sound and it gives the idea of having many voices and, any, and interruptions that would reflect Leo's experiences. So that's all I have for Shutter Island. Um, I'm sorry this was so short. Um, I'm hoping on the next one when we get to Hugo that, uh, that we'll go more in depth and have, have a much better class session. Um, I want to thank you all for listening. Um, if you like what you've heard, please listen or please go to wherever it is you listen to the show, whether it's Apple, uh, Apple Podcasts or iTunes Podcasts, whatever they call it now, um, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio. Give us a comment or rating or review. Uh, or if you don't like it, you can also give us a comment or rating or review. If you have any comments, questions, or concerns, you can reach out to the podcast. at. You can email us at HitchcockUniversity at gmail.com. We also have a Facebook page. Hitchcock University, as well as a Twitter uh, account, Hitch underscore U, as in university. Um, over the next three class sessions, we have Hugo, and then we have The Wolf of Wall Street, which I really like that movie, and so I'm hoping we have a podcast that reflects that. And then we'll do Silence, which is a film that came out in 2017 or early 2018, which is, I think, a phenomenal film. Um, and I'm also hoping that our our uh, our class session reflects reflects how good of a film that is as well. Um, thank you all for listening to Hitchcock University. I've been Taylor Bickle. Uh, we'll talk to you again in two weeks. Thanks. <laughs>